Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, everyone. It's Allie Valentin here, and I'm here to let you know that the conversation you're about to listen to came from a live Q&A session on Chris's social media accounts. I hope you enjoy. Okay. First question for you today. Here we go. Questions and answers. Questions and answers with Chris Valentin, everybody. Oh, no. Both of us. Oh, here we are. (laughs) Is how long does healthy prophetic community take to develop and what should the frequency of training be? Depends on what you call healthy. And, (laughs) you you know, I mean, we're talking about healthy prophetic culture, but the the thing is, if you have unhealthy relationships, (laughs) you have, you know, things that aren't healthy in other places, obviously... I mean, how do you have a healthy prophetic culture if you don't have a healthy relational culture? That's so a good point. All of that, you know, it all fits it all together. Connects. Yeah. It's like body, soul, and spirit. How can you? Yeah. 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 It's all connected. Yeah, it's all connected. So I would say, you know, but it does take time. It mm-hmm. does take time. And I, I think too, we, we were having a great conversation before I came in today mm. uh, with the senior leadership team. Mm. Well, half of our team has gone on vacation, but. We just had a smaller team, and we were talking about, you know, uh, prophecy, judging prophecy, because it feels like in our culture, we still don't really have a great system for judging prophetic words, especially big ones, like, you know, like these prophetic words we're getting, like, you're going to have $40 million to build that building this year. It's like, okay, well, we have to make decisions based on, you know, we have, like, contractor needs a year notice if if that's going to happen like that. So. You know, so we, we talked a lot today about, you know, in, increasing uh, the maturity of our prophetic culture. We've been doing this for 40, 44 years. Yeah. So, you know, I think that it's a process. And at what point, just because you're healthy doesn't mean that you don't still have challenges and struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it takes, I do, I don't think it, I don't think it happens in a year or two. I think that's actually really inspiring and encouraging because mm-hmm. I think sometimes, especially as a young person, you look at people that are older and you think that they've, they've figured it out. They've been doing this for 50 years. <laughs> they surely, you know, there's a five-step plan and life is so much more complex than that, it is. right? And the prophetic is so much more complex than that. And so there's, it's ever evolving and ever changing and you're always growing and you're always learning. And so there's not an arriving point but there's just a continual learning journey that you go on where it's refined yes. and matured. So it's really inspiring. And when you're talking about prophetic ministry, you're talking about talking to the Lord and having him. Right. I mean, like, this is like, like, let's break down its basics. It's like, mm-hmm. I have a relationship with the Lord, which he talks to me about me and he talks to me about other people mm-hmm. and he talks about us, right? Him yeah. and I. Yeah. So it's like the part when he talks about me to me, uh-huh. uh, or he talks to me about you. Yeah, that's a work. That's what the Bible calls prophetic. So, it's really about relationship, right? And so, you know, for example, we were talking today about how the early church processed prophecy so much differently. For example, Agabus takes Paul's belt and binds him and said, "This is what's going to happen, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem." Uh-huh. And the whole congregation there, I think, was at Ephesus goes, don't go, don't go. And he's like, I'm not, I'm ready not just to be, you know, punished, but, or whatever he said, but to die for, for Christ. Mm. And so the prophetic word in his case was like, thank you for telling me what the cost is, but I know I'm still supposed to go. Mm. 
So there's this multiple dimensions to healthy prophetic culture where you're not just going yes or no, black or white. You're going. What's at the root of this? Yeah. And what is the, what is the the Lord, who's also my friend, trying to say to me? Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, what does it mean to be called a prophet to the prophets? Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. So not necessarily biblical. Oh, I didn't say that. I just said. I mean, it's not. I mean, three quarters of what we do is extra biblical, not anti biblical. You know, like. Uh-huh. Like an altar call is extra biblical. Mm-hmm. We don't have an, we don't have altar calls in the Bible anywhere. But um, I've never heard that phrase, a prophet to the prophet, so I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't okay. want to say something. This I don't is know what it means. About. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, I love this next question. Okay. It says, what is the best way to prepare for BSSM? I'm assuming this person's coming to school. What would you say, lead head? You, you you went to BSSM. <laughs> I did go to BSSM. So you would have some different kind of insights than I would have. That's true. Yeah, you were never a student at BSSM. No. Uh, I, I'll say some, and then you can share what you think. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's kind of put on your seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredibly fun, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it, it's incredibly challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, you know... Uh, going to boot camp is different than going to high school, mm-hmm. and I think this is a, not this is not boot camp, but it's not high school. It's like it is the you are going to be called higher. Mm-hmm. You're going to be discovered, developed, and deployed. You're going to be in a group of you know at least 50, 40 or fifty people in, that you get connected to. You walk with them for an entire nine months. And you build relationships with people that you probably wouldn't even want a friendship with, or yeah. wouldn't, because you you're having shared experiences. Yeah, you will be a part of a miracle. Like you, you may be like, I don't do miracles; it's not my thing. And it's like you'll be very surprised that mm-hmm. this this atmosphere brings out something in you that you didn't know was in you. Yeah. How about you? What would you say? Oh man, I'm trying to think back to when I was coming up to be a sin. I think, I think one of, there's so many different <laughs> dynamics to a person coming to BSSM too. Some people are coming for one thing and the other thing. And I think it's so important, honestly, to come expectant, but not with an expectation because I think. Ooh, that's a good distinction. Yeah. I think you'll be surprised by what the Lord has for you. And I think sometimes when you arrive to the scene thinking, I have to come to fulfill this thing. You don't actually value the thing that he's doing inside of you. And you spend the whole time wondering why this other aspect of why you came isn't unfolding when the reality of is he's doing something that he needs to do in your heart, in your life, whenever that looks like for you. But you sometimes you can't even see it because you're so focused on when is this, when is this going to unfold? I thought I was coming for this thing. So I think it's coming with coming expectant for the Lord to move, but with an open mind and just with faith mm-hmm. that he's going to, he will move and he will change your life. And you're going to be surrounded by people so good that are on fire and that are like-minded. And um, you're going to create relationships that you'll have for the rest of your life um, with people that you bond in the fire with. I think yeah. that's been... That's been one of the biggest blessings of BSSM is the relationships that 
um, I gained from that. So even coming with an open heart to um, build with people and to build relationship with people. It's one of the best gifts that we have being in school together with people that are running after the same things as us in such different ways. But Holy. yeah, it's it's beautiful. And if I think I was thinking of the scripture where the Lord said, I want to do more than you ask or think. Yeah. So part of the challenge is, is that we come with like what you said, not just expectancy, but expectation. Yeah, we have to have an expectation. Like, you're going to do this. Like, yeah. here's what I'm coming for. And the Lord's, and, so, and sometimes the Lord's fulfilling that too. Often. Totally. But it looks different, maybe. It looks different, really? <laughs> yeah. And then, the, but the other thing is, but He wants to do more than you ask. So you've never asked it. Uh huh. And you never thought it. Think or imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, how do you prepare for something you never asked or thought for? Because the, the yep. question is about preparation. Yep. And I think that you said it right. Like, I think come with expectation, come with a humble heart. Uh huh. Um, Ditch your fear. There, it, yeah. you know, you you might be afraid standing in line, but that'll go away really quickly because it's the most loving environment. Yeah, yeah. super loving yeah. environment where you, you know, yeah. where fun is one of our core values. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's great. It's a great time. Yeah, I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, <up>. yep. <laughs> start all over. We I'll could be attending you. first year. This you could pull your <laughs> this diploma year, and you yeah. can start over. <laughs> Honestly, I would. Oh my goodness, it's the best. It's the best. Okay, next question. Can God change his idea after he said no to us? This is something I learned in school. <laughs> How do you see that? I would say, well, we see in the story of Moses, right? Yeah. Where God is frustrated and he's Exodus going, 32. Uh-huh. And he's going to show that to his people. And Moses contends on behalf and God changes his mind. And so, yeah, I think mm-hmm. we, when we see that all throughout scripture, that happens multiple times. Yeah, I think I think it happened. You know, it happened with Abraham and Lot, of course, uh, and Sodom. But you know, Lord didn't really change his mind. But Abraham thought that he could change his mind. He mm-hmm. negotiated with them. Yeah, I, I think I think it can happen. I also think that sometimes what we think is God's changed mind is just finally going. Okay, I don't think that I know that's not best. Yeah, but go ahead and do it, and then you know. You find out why the father said that wasn't the best for you. Yeah. It's so interesting. I'm reading Samuel right now. Yeah. And you see in Samuel, right, that they want a king. Yeah. They want a king. Very good. And they've wanted a king since the beginning. And he's like, don't you remember that I brought you out of slavery and I brought you to the promised land? And this is, he's like, this is what they've wanted since, you know, Samuel was talking to God. Yeah. This is what they've wanted since the days of Moses, you know? And so eventually he's like, Okay, go anoint Saul as king. Tim's like, what? <laughs> you know, it's and like, then he tells okay. them all that, like, but here, here's the side effects of having a worldly king. Yep. Uh-huh. And and there you go. I, I'm saying sometimes God's like, all right, you. Want, it's kind of like it's the way we actually shepherd our our adult children. It's like, all right, you want to do that? Yeah, you're like, go do it. May not be, but. I mean, how that? Might be some side effects to. Yeah, but that's free will, right? You created that at the beginning of time. Yeah, that's really good. I I love that. What your answer? Yeah, it's great. I forget what this. If we answered that question, yes, you can. God can change his mind or get his idea. (laughs) Okay, next question. What should I do in a waiting season? I also love this question. You do. I think I love we, it because it's so common. It's, Everyone finds themselves in a season where they feel like they're waiting. I mean, I, I always think, uh, yeah, 
with some people way through. Uh, I mean, a few things come to my mind, so I'll say mine, you share yours. My, the first one I'd say, there's there's no such thing as just waiting. I would say mm -hmm. pre preparing. Yeah. So I'd be preparing. Like David was anointed king, First Samuel 14, I believe. But he doesn't become king for 14 to 17 years. But what's yeah. he doing? He's learning how to be a king. He's mm -hmm. learning how to lead people. Mm -hmm. And the first thing he does, one of the first, well, of course, he kills Goliath, but was one of the first thing he does is, is lead 300 men who are yeah. it's like how are you going to be how are you going to lead a nation if you can't lead 300 men mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so he's preparing he's learning leadership he's learning how to bond in battle he's learning how to fight his enemies he's learning how to build something yep and uh he's going to need those skills really moses moses is he trains 40 years in growing up in pharaoh's house what's yeah. fair who's pharaoh he's a king what's yeah. What's Moses going to be? The leader of a nation. Yeah. So he, the Lord raises him in Pharaoh's house, and I, I don't think it was mostly evil. I think it was mostly good, in that he's learning how to how to how do kings think. Yeah. How do kings think about roads and water and, you know, getting people, you know, you, you know, like natural, uh, what do you say, utilities or, yeah, you know, resources. how how do yeah resources? How do how do they how do you meet the need of, of, of millions of people? How do you how do you lead millions of people? Like, how do you think about the people? So, you know, he preparation's important. Yeah. The second thing, you know, is kind of a little bit opposite of that in that sometimes people are waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And God is waiting for them to act on what he's already said. Okay. So, and, and I'll say like, these are kind of two tensions in my mind. It's like, I'm preparing. It's just like, go do something, mm -hmm. you know? That's so good. what do you think? Like you said, you like this question. So yeah, like I love, just like it because you get it so often. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I've been in the season, we've all been in seasons where we feel yeah. like we're waiting, waiting. Um, and I would agree. I think recently I was even kind of journaling about this and I'm like, I think the waiting season is so much more about preparation than anyone ever talks about. Yeah. And I think we actually have a choice in the waiting season to decide if we're going to take the seat of the victim or if we're going to take the seat of a victor, right? So are we going to just sit there and wallow in the fact that we're just waiting for this thing to happen in our life? And you promised me you'd do this. And yet, where where is it? I can't trust you anymore. You're not making this thing happen. And we just become victims Yes. versus okay, actually, I'm going to pick up the tools that I have been given and I'm going to go learn some things and I'm going to put these things to work until they're refined, until I'm given more tools and actually put that thing into practice. Really good. So I just think that it's more about preparation. And if we if we take that mindset, I think the waiting season will feel so much easier to walk through because you'll feel like you're working towards something versus just waiting for life to happen to you. Yeah, the other thing I would say is like life is way more about a journey than a destination. Yes. So the, here's the challenge with it, the some of the mindset that I'm talking about. Ellie. Like, mm -hmm. it's like when this happens, yeah, the fulfilled prophecy. Yeah. I, I get married. Uh huh. Then, then I'm gonna have this life. Right. But the deal is, is that you're gonna get married, and it's gonna start a whole nother process, and you're gonna be like, that. when I have children, and it's gonna and be when. when my children are. And it's going to be when our, when we get our house paid off. And it, like, mm -hmm. there's always a reason for life to not actually be at its fullest. Yeah. And like, what if fullness doesn't have to do with circumstances? Yes. 
But what if it has to do with relationship with God? Yes. So I, I think that a lot of people miss so much in life because they're waiting for a fulfilled prophecy. Yeah. Instead of acting every day as if anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Really, really good. Okay. Somebody's asked, Chris, does prophecy come at the most awkward moments in social environments, such as a party or a random event? Basically, I think this person's asking, like, is it always just in a church setting or, you know? No, I think mostly out. Yeah. You know, I think I think the way it's supposed to be, like, if you look at the early church, there was very few prophecies inside the synagogues. They were mostly on, on the road, in the streets, in relationship. You know, uh, no, I think, I think <laughs> the church without walls is a great way to say it, right? I mean, Absolutely. I think that ha it happens in the church, but this is part of the challenge is that we're expecting awesome stuff to happen for two hours a week on a Sunday. And I'm like, what if we just ever woke up every morning going, anything is possible? Yeah. So I think it, I think we have to live with the high expectation that the Lord could speak to us with a homeless man. The Lord could speak to us with a friend calling us, a friend, you know, just... At, or as we read in our Bible in the morning last night, I had a great encounter with the Lord at, and just in bed. So, you know, I think my greatest encounters, most of my really life-changing encounters have been alone in my bed or in my in the bathtub or something, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. That's great. Okay. Somebody's asked, uh, let's see, what is one of the ways you have encouraged yourself in the midst of intense times? speaking the promises, going after God and what he is showing you. But what do you do when you are weary? Mm. Well, we talked about this a lot, maybe six, eight months ago, and a lot during COVID. Yeah. I think finding uh, places of gratitude. Like I, I have, I don't know how many of them now, maybe a hundred, more than a hundred things I'm thankful for. Yeah. I was just revisiting them probably three weeks ago, going through the list all the things I was thankful for, all the things God's done in my life. And I actually had forgotten several of them. Yeah. And I think I think that faith grows in a, in the garden of gratitude. I think so. And I think that it's so easy to get focused on what God has yet to do. Mm. Uh, the frustrations you have. Like, yes. you know, Kathy has Parkinson's. She lives with it every day. I live mm -hmm. with, I, I, you know, I'm with her. I'm asleep right next to her. Right. So, I mean, it, it would be really easy for her and for me mm -hmm. to think about what the future could be like with that disease or, you know, mm -hmm. the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, she has limitations sometimes and it could be, could just trigger like, oh, this is, my life is re dra dramatically reduced. And yet we're living in such a beautiful season. Our kids live just down the street from us. Mm -hmm. Our two grandkids, our two young grandkids, you know, one years old and three years old, are over our house nearly every day, swimming in the pool or hanging out, watching them grow up. You guys are, you know, you and, and Elijah are over, you know, a couple times, three times a week. My other, it's like we're healthy we're 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 living full lives it, it, it's like these are the good days like yeah. we should fully enjoy these days and not be worried about the future the future yeah. will as jesus said take care of itself yeah it's good do you have a different answer to that 
No, I think gratitude is a place to go when you're weary. Mm -hmm. I think also, this is interesting. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and actually I was talking to Jay about this last week, and it's interesting. It keeps coming up in different ways. But I think sometimes when we, we're growing weary, we're actually growing disappointed, right? We're actually yeah. sometimes growing like, ah, I don't know. This isn't what I thought it would be. And um, I forget who, who said this, but they said that disappointment is the soil for success. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, sometimes when we've gotten to a place where we're like, this is not what I thought it'd be. We almost feel like we're failing in a way or this mm -hmm. isn't what this isn't actually encouraging to me. I'm totally. not feeling super yeah. excited about this. Yeah. It's actually a space that is setting you up for success. It's actually mm -hmm. a spot where you have the opportunity to grow and to learn and to um, become an even better version of yourself and be even more refined. And so... I, I think gratitude is a great place to start. I think that whenever I have found myself highly disappointed, <laughs> it's easy to camp out there versus going, oh man, what actually is really beautiful that's happening in my life? So I think that's a great Yeah, thing. sometimes disappointment leads to reappointment, right? Mm -hmm. Like reappointing a different plan or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. That's really good. Okay, we're just about at time. So okay. I'm thinking we can answer one more question. Can I be prophetic without being in the spotlight, working behind the scenes, you know? Being in the spotlight scares me a little. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Some of the most powerful people were people that didn't have a public platform even in the Bible. A hundred percent. If you think about Joseph, like who everybody, we love Joseph yeah. of the Old Testament, right? Mm -hmm. And actually... <laughs> You could say prophetic ministry working in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Esther, you know, workplace, mm -hmm. you know, her daily life, mm -hmm. interacting with God. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the most of the uh, of the prophets had a regular job who and it, they were having encounters with the Lord on their jobs, in their place of employment, uh, yeah. in their on their farms like Amos and, and yeah. Mosea. And yeah, and then I think it's more prophecy as you go. Yes. I, I love the questions we're getting today because there's so much, we've so institutionalized relationship with God that people are asking questions that you're like, really, are these really questions? And then you think through it. It's like the root of these questions is we've in institutionalized Christianity. Mm -hmm. So so the questions are about, can you have these encounters and this relationship and these prayers answered outside of the institution. And I'm like, wow, that it says a lot about the people who follow us and the mentality of the day that we kind of think that Christianity is institutionalized to the place we're asking questions like, can God actually move powerfully outside the two hours that I spend in church? And I'm like, I think we're supposed to equip the saints to do the work of service. And that is almost always happening outside of the outside of the quote institutionalized church so mm -hmm. hey i just want to yeah. say um i've been uh, really stirred in my spirit that just to uh feeling like there's more mm -hmm. and uh, you know i've had a, a couple encounters uh in the last year that you know i think i shared one here where the lord said that there won't be any more cussing and 
I, I want to say, and I, 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 nobody on my team would say, he cussed like a sailor, but definitely I feel like the Lord is doing something in the whole area of, um, you know, holiness and working on, on our, our attitudes and our hearts. Purification. A couple of nights ago, I woke up with this proverb that says, every man's way is right in his own sight, but the Lord judges the motives. And I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. motives. And it's like, I didn't say that. She didn't. You said this to me. It's like, yeah, we're talking about words, but what is the motive here? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the Lord is purifying our motives. I think he's purifying our mouths. I think that we're in a beautiful, holy, but uh, glo- like what people would say, glory epoch, but glory comes with correction and holiness. Isaiah 6, mm-hmm. I see the Lord. He's high and lifted up. Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. Mm-hmm. I live with a bunch of people with the same issue. And I think that we have to uh, understand that there is holy conviction coming to us. I'm speaking to myself, obviously. And that some of what you might think of as condemnation is actually the conviction of the Holy Spirit in working in and through our negative attitudes. So I just want to pray, Lord, just I thank you so much that you love us enough. You love us enough to not leave us the way we are. And I pray, God, for that holy conviction of correction, of redirection, of, you know, cleaning us up from the inside out, from you want a bride that doesn't have spots or wrinkles. You're looking for beauty and and splendor and excellence. And so we bless your people today in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.